Chapter Three of The Sick Man's Comfort Book by Reverend P. B. Power. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Three Helps to Our Believing That God Is a God of Comfort. It would be poor comfort to point out the existence of hindrances unless we believed that they could be overcome and also could show how this might be done. Alas, the poor tired man might say, I know my hindrances only too well. Help me to put them out of the way, and then you will confer on me favor indeed. This is what I should now like to do. This is a fitting part of a comfort book. Now, one of the most effectual ways of getting rid of these hindrances is to track them out and ascertain whence they come. I have no doubt many of them come from certain depraved thinkings about God, and consequently the helps should come from thinkings also, only of the right kind. We must keep close to thoughts of God. We must meet Satan's dark thoughts and suggestions about God with bright thoughts about him. For if we do not, he will always be able to bring God up terribly against us. However we may divert our minds, the evil one will always keep saying, But ah, what about God? All is not right with him, and what is more, all never can be. But if we have gone to God and have well-assured thoughts of him, then God can never come before us as a dark shadow, but as light. We shall know him as a father indeed, and if Satan come to vex us with thoughts about him, we shall say, We know who he is, our father who is in heaven. I consider then God's character as my great help to believing him to be a God of comfort. And first of all, from the mere fact of his being generous, he is very likely to be a God of comfort. Everywhere in scripture he is represented to us as a large-hearted God. He is one that hath no pleasure in the death of a sinner but would rather that he turned from his iniquity and lived. He says, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it, and the sins and iniquities of his people he will remember no more. How much more generous God is than man, you have remarkably set before you in what he says to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 3. Hast thou seen what backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me. Others would have said, Be gone. But God said, Return. That was generosity indeed. In the first verse of this chapter, God shows that man's way of treating a person under similar circumstances would be very different. But then, he is God and not man, and his ways and thoughts are not like our ways and thoughts, and his generosity is altogether beyond ours. Happening to open the concordance this moment, I come upon five texts, one after another, where God is spoken of as being entreated with success. After that, God was entreated for the land. Second Samuel chapter 21, verse 14. The Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 25. They cried, and he was entreated of them. First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 20. Manasseh prayed, and God was entreated. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 13. We besought God, and he was entreated of us. Ezra chapter 8, verse 23. He is called long-suffering, plenteous in goodness and mercy. And in the parable of the prodigal son, generous dealing is shown to the very full. The father receives the wretched sinner just as he is, and reproaching him not, restores to him favor, and clothes him in the best robe, and kills for him the fatted calf. Now, if I want anything, it is a great encouragement to me in going to ask for it that I know I have to deal with a generous person. 
I feel he will be predisposed to help me, and to deal liberally with me, and to do me good. And let this thought comfort you. There is not one niggard word about God in all the Bible. You will be sure to get from him, simply because he is what he is. And if God be generous, then he will be self-communicative, that is, he will always be outputting good. God is not content with simply having his goodness and keeping it to himself. He spared not his only son, but freely gave him up for us all, and how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If we had to go to a person for anything, who is actually wanting to give away the very things we needed, what wonderful spirit it would put into us to go to him for what we required. Now, can God have all that would make us happy and comfortable and bestow never a taste on us? Certainly not. Therefore, if you want, he will communicate himself to you, and what he communicates must be himself, must be like himself, and therefore it must be good. It will be the giving of himself to you as you are, and with your particular want. He will pour his streams into all your hollow places, and your dry wells, and on your parched lands, and empty watercourses. Where you are driest and most in want is the place where he will most surely come. Then, may we take great comfort from considering that God stands to us in the relation of a father, and forasmuch as he must from his very nature do everything in the best and most perfect manner, and in the fullest also, we may be sure he will be to us better than ever any earthly father has been to a son. If any of us who are old and have experienced the trials and struggles of life were told that our father had risen from the grave with a thousandfold more love than he ever had to us when he was alive, and with plenty of wealth wherewith practically to show that love, and with wisdom which would effectually prevent his making any mistake, we should have wonderful comfort indeed, no matter what immediate trials were pressing on us. But we have something better. We have a Father in heaven, and he will not come short in the fulfillment of even one of the functions of a parent. Comfort yourself, then, with the thought that the one with whom you have to do in every way is the one whose very relationship secures your getting what you want. If your Father will not comfort you, who will? He is the most likely person to get comfort from, therefore the proper person to go to for it. And because he is a father, you may expect all tender comfort. It is through the tender mercy of our God that the day spring from on high hath visited us. St. James, chapter 1, verse 2, tells us that the Lord is pitiful and of tender mercy. The injunction, Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32, to be kind one to another, to be tender-hearted, and to forgive one another, is all grounded on such things in God, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, if instead of looking at God, and all that is to well forth from him because he is what he is, we look at ourselves, and at all that we deserve, we shall have no comfort at all. Comfort will never travel to us by this latter path, we are to look at ourselves, expecting to find all emptiness, and not wanting to make the matter one whit better than it is. We must not be surprised, or startled, or downhearted at realizing this emptiness. It simply arises from our being what we are. If we set about making discoveries concerning ourselves, they will be all in the line of this emptiness, more and more of it, the more we look. But all the discoveries of God will be a fullness, and in putting the two together must lie our comfort. Bathe your thoughts, then, in God. Be rich in God, poor in yourselves, but rich in Him. You see what He is, 
All his nature, all his sayings, all his doings argue comfort, not comfort for the impenitent and the independent and those who think they have no need, but for all who wish to be humble and in want and to be supplied from a source outside themselves. Say then thus in your communings with yourselves, Who knows so well what God is as himself? And all that he has told me leads comfort words. I will not give God a bad character by expecting only gloom from him. I will not take Satan's opinion about God. What interest can he have but to malign him? I will not take my own deceitful and suspicious and ignorant heart's surmisings about him, for from my poor fallen nature they are sure to be warped. I will throw myself upon God as he has revealed himself. I will keep mine eyes fixed on him, and I will shut them to all else. I will keep to what he has revealed. I can only be what I am, empty, and he can only be what he is, the supplier of that emptiness. Out of his fullness then shall I receive, and because he is what he is, I shall have grace to help in every time of need. End of chapter 3